Hashem is here, Hashem is there. Hashem is truly everywhere. Or maybe it's more like in the lens of Hasidus, Hashem is truly everything. Welcome to Consciously, a podcast focused on honest conversation by regular people and for regular people seeking spiritual growth. Hey, Consciously, welcome back. It's Menachem Poznanski. Great for the beer. It's been a while since we did an episode. Um, I think I missed last week and all of this week. I'm actually doing this late on Thursday afternoon, trying to just to get back on the uh, the wagon, as they say, or get off the wagon, whatever. You know what I mean. Uh, anyway, grateful to have you here. Uh, I want to remind you to please subscribe to the podcast, give us a five-star review and share it with your friends. That really helps us out. Also, uh, remember to check us out on our social media sites, Consciously62 and The Light Revealed. Great stuff going on. Actually, looking forward to a pre-Pesach series. And then also trying to do something for Sirius Omer. Post there every day. Post on WhatsApp. I think I'm going to post like a WhatsApp group. So if you want to join and get all this stuff, um, you can get it there. Also, visit us at the Intentional Jew Podcasting Network, intentionaljew.com. And final reminder about a new podcast I'm doing called Practically If I Bring In uh, Revealing the Deep Insight in Torah of my friend and mentor and Mashpia Mayor Prager. Amazing stuff. It's a really remarkable episode that came out this week. Um, it's just really, really great stuff. Definitely worthwhile to check it out. Okay, so today's episode is a recording that Shmaya and I did a few weeks ago, a while ago actually, on the the action steps related to step two in the book Consciously, uh, which you can find in Jewish bookstores. What resulted was an amazing conversation that you'll find. I think you'll really get a lot out of it. So here it is. Hey, Shmaya. Hey, what's going on, Menachem? Okay, here, so here we are. Uh, we are, I think this is part nine of this series, which is cool that we're up to part nine. Um, and we're talking about Consciously. It's just a book that I had the privilege of writing or compiling, um, which is based on Bilvavi Mishkan Evna, the Sefer, written by Harav Itamar Schwartz Shlita. And we've been discussing, really kind of wrapping up the second step of what I kind of conceptualized as a six-step process that made up the first half, so to speak, of the first volume of Bilvavi Mishkan Evna, which I found to be a very, very concrete, laid-out program for utilizing mindfulness meditation Jewish mindfulness meditation or Jewish-based mindfulness meditation to develop a, a vibrant, conscious connection with our creator, which in recovery world we call conscious contact. So uh, we finished step two. We finished the chapters for right. step two and we, we're up to uh, the the practice and the, the actual step, the action part of it. All right. So that's what we're up to. Step yes. one, for those who haven't listened, if they haven't, um, would be the first step is kind of the realization that a vibrant relationship with my creator is something that not only something that I, maybe I feel like doing, or maybe it'd be nice if I did, but rather something that's like vital to my well-being. It's vital to my existence as a person. It's even from a Jewish perspective, the underlying focus and function of why we practice Judaism in the first place. It is the, the underlying reason behind all the practices and all the different uh, rituals and the prayer, everything we do is based around this idea of conscious contact, developing a vibrant relationship with our creator. And the second step is developing a sense of willingness to, oh, no, no, I'm sorry, a, a sense of conception 
that a vibrant relationship with God is possible. So I, I would actually rephrase the work of the second step as, or at least what the second step asks of us, to believe that it's possible to have this relationship. Right. But then also to recognize that we already have the relationship and we're, we don't have to develop something. We have to wake up to it. Right. That was, that was part of what we had talked about yes. is that in context of a relationship with God, we all oftentimes associate a relationship with God as something that's far away. It's something for the, for the righteous, for the mystical, for the ascetic. They have a relationship with God. Me here in this world doesn't have a relationship with God and I need to get that. How am I going to get that when I have to give up so much and I can't do that and it seems overwhelming. Conscious contact seems so overbearing. And then the realization that like, no, a relationship with our creator is something that we already have. And that what we're trying to do is develop a sense of consciousness and awareness of the, of the relationship that already exists. One of the examples we used, uh, uh, Mion, uh, just for illustration, is that when you're sleeping at night, your head is on the pillow. Right. But you're not conscious of it. Right. Right. And then you could, when you wake up, you're aware that your head is on the pillow. Right. Right. And so, so, so that conscious contact is not. You never lose the contact with the pillow at right. any point in time. Right. So, right. And, and the, the phrase was, the phraseology that we talked about was a consciousness of contact. Like the contact is the subject and conscious is the description. Right. It's the type of contact that already exists. Right. 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 Exactly. Right. Okay. Exactly. So that that's that's a great summation of what it is. And then what you ask us to do is you present to us two different meditations as the action portion of what we're doing. One of the meditations, um, if I understand, is to recognize that like a meditation that helps us recognize we couldn't physically be closer. And then the other one helps us wake up to the relationship that we have, if I understood correctly. Right. So one is focused on, as we've been discussing, like, the, okay, so if we were going to talk about what contact is... To use Jewish terms, kiruva, right, which is closeness, relational closeness, subjective closeness, right. So, closeness. so one of the types of meditation, mindfulness meditation, that a person can do is to kind of sit and contemplate: Do I have contact? How connected am I already? Right. So that kind of means uh, a meditation or a reflection on how close to God am I already? And within the frame that we discussed um, in the earlier chapter, it's like, okay, so if we there's in the Hebrew term, at least there's two types of fundamental closeness. There's spatial closeness, right? There's how the proximity I have to a thing. And then there's emotional closeness, right? The way, how close I feel to something. And the reflection has to do with contemplating the way in which, let's say, for example, in the Kabbalistic literature, God is described as there's no space void of him, which means um, the, the the famous analogy that's really powerful is like one fish is sitting there and another fish comes by and says, do you know where the water is? And the other fish says, well, what's water, right? Like God is all around us. We imagine God, particularly when we're younger, is kind of like a being with a long white beard right. who's away in the heavens, right. right? So then we're trying to like build a connection with that guy that's out there. And we constantly walk around with that conception. So then even when we say like, in Jewish terms, like a famous Uncle Moishi song, Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is truly everywhere, which is expressing the same idea, but it's kind of like as a kid, it's kind of like Hashem is there, Hashem is there, Hashem is there. So he's like, he's like some kind of mutant that can multiply himself right, right, right. and he's all around me and he's separate, right? So then I, he's something I need to get to, right? So like, but here we're kind of like waking up to a reality that God, or specifically as we're framing it here, my creator is all around me because I'm in him. Can I go on a quick sidebar? Yeah, sure. 
that song, Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is truly everywhere. Yeah. That, like, I think a child would better understand God is everything. God makes up everything. Everything has a piece of God in it. God is not there. God is not there. God is everything. Right. Everything is pieces of God. Much easier than an adult would be able to understand that. Right. So who made this song for children? Right, right. Meaning it's, it, it, what you're saying is the song seems to leverage a misconception and a misnomer. Yeah. Whereas in, in your fantasy, perhaps, if we were to like train children to be consciously aware at an early age that like we're in God, like God's... And, and their power of imagination can More like the story it. with the fish. Right. Right. Then that, that would make it easier for them down the line yeah. to conceptualize it. It's it's an interesting thing. I mean, it goes into like a much broader kind of like, would that be imposing too much on children? Meaning if you if you were to invite a child into looking at things that way, I don't want to be apologist for it. No, no, you know, no. Clearly, I'm saying everyone, most people walk around that way. I'm saying this idea, as much as it's kind of very founded in Jewish thought, you know, most people walk around as if God's over there and I'm over here and there's a, right. a, a place of separation. Part of that has to do, I think, with the fact that like there is a measure of separation. In our, in our or, mind. Or a veil of separation. No, no, no. In actuality. There are layers of separation. Yes, yes. Okay, so the, the way that it's, part of the way that it's described in this farm is like, from God's vantage point, there is no separation. But from our vantage point, there is separation. That we don't see the world the same way God sees the world. So God, from God's vantage point, he's water. And we're just the fish. But then even the fish is just water that's shaped like a fish. And then even the shape is not really, it's just fish. Right, like the another example is like, array of a particle of light that emerged from the sun that traveled millions of miles to earth and then came down through the window, right? And then shone through and because whatever the clouds, you know, because of the, the shades, you could see the particles of light coming through, right? right? So, but if you were to track those particles of light back to the sun in time on the surface of the sun, they're not particles of light. They're just the The sun, sun. right? right? So from the vantage point of the sun, they're not particles of light, but from our vantage point, they're individual particles of light. Okay, so if all of that's true, then we have to be aware that like, to try to train children to think differently would also confuse them in the opposite. It's an interesting question. Because you'd be asking them to not think, it rea- think of reality. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if you're already, and I'm going to use a harsh word, if you're already indoctrinating right. someone into conceptual belief of God, right, telling them that God is... God is there. God is there. God is everywhere. Right. Versus saying God is everything. Right. Like which, like just which practically is going to help them in the long run have a relationship with this God. No, because if God is ever, because like, let's say when I'm, when I'm learning. I can remember when I was a kid. Yeah. Trying to figure out where God was. Like you wish that someone had said you're a fish in water. I can remember like the very first time I said like a personal prayer, like I, as a kid, I had no clue which direction should I be praying in? Where am I talking to? What am I talking to? Okay. I, 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 I was just thinking about that. Okay. But, 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 but to make the same point on your sidebar, which is interesting, is an interesting way to go. Yeah. God is more than everywhere. Correct. Cause God is emotionally present. On a relational level. Correct. I mean, if you just said God is everywhere, that would also be sound short. Correct. Right? True. Because God is like in my heart. Correct. Like, 
he's a feeling and an experience right. as much as he's a thing. So then what do you do? You teach them nothing? You get as close as possible. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Right, right. Get no, as no, no. close as possible. I, I got you. I, I think where it emerges from is the idea that like we conceptualize God as in all directions. That's like Echad. Allah has dollar we say in Shema. Right. Right. It's like four directions. But I think it's an interesting question. Yeah. In the sense that we conceptualize God in a certain way, we're kind of trained to conceptualize God in a certain way, but then we wake up later on and find out that it's much more complex than that. Yeah. And I think children can handle the complexity more than an adult. You feel. I feel. Yeah. All right. Well, Mirza Shah. Because of their imagination. Well, God willing, you'll have children. I'm saying, I'm saying like a and child. In 20 can years, readily, let us know. Like. Children can readily accept Santa. No adult can readily accept Santa. Right. You know what's interesting? It seems obscene to teach children about these kind of mystical, mythical figures present in our lives, like a Santa Claus. Right? That seems like, well, it's not really helpful because you're teaching them something that's not real. And then I read a study a while ago that had to do with um, the development of the quality of faith. Forget like faith in God, even just like faith in other people and this study, it was a long time ago, I couldn't tell you where it was, but this study was making the point that children that were taught mythical stories like Santa Claus had a much easier time developing faith at a later time in life. Oh, wow. Wow. I mean, even though their parents were theoretically lying to them. Right. It allowed them to develop a certain like muscle in their brains that allowed them to develop the quality of faith. Whereas people that weren't taught those things, they were... It's easier to jump on the imagination station train and, you know, have it going towards a good place versus a bad place. Right. I think it's complicated. It's interesting to kind of think about. Yeah. Okay. So, but either way, but now as we're adults and we're trying to train ourselves, there's a great line I saw from Rabbi Tversky, actually, uh, we were talking about earlier, um, something about like, like, uh, it was very sharp, very, very sharp. He said something like to the degree of, you know, the only one who's responsible for who you are today is you. And despite okay. anyone, anything that anyone else did to you, you now have the responsibility today to make yourself who you're going to be. A very, very, very sharp line. It's very, very, very Especially hurry. for someone who dealt with people dealing with trauma and all sorts of stuff. Right, right, right. And he was, I think he was talking to those people. He wasn't yeah. talking away from those people. He was trying to empower them to kind of take ownership. So now that we're trying to take ownership of our spiritual lives, right? So it's A, utilizing, let's say, a mindfulness meditation sitting for like five minutes, Right. There's a, there is a component here that's really important to realize is that part of what I've come to find is that mindfulness meditation seems like it would require a tremendous level of intensity. And we talk about this later in the book, but it's important to touch on it here. It seems like in order for me to like do meditation that's real, it needs to be for a long time. Right. And it needs to be intense and it needs to be overwhelming and it needs to be overwearing and it needs to be like ecstatic. And part of what Schwartz talks about is like even setting aside a few moments, a few minutes in the beginning of the day or a few minutes in the middle of the day or in the few minutes at the end of the day to just kind of conceptualize, let's say the idea, let's asar panoimene, there's no space void of him. I'm like a fish in water. Or that God is more present in my heart than he's present anywhere else because we have a relationship because he's my dad and he's my father and he's my mother and all that stuff. He's my best friend. Right? So I feel him in my heart to experience God in my heart for three minutes. That doing that with regularity actually is what really develops those neural associations that allows you to have the conscious relationship with God that you want. That it's not going to be, let's say, doing an intense meditation for a half hour once a week. 
that's going to make the difference, but rather like in these small uh, periods. One of the things he talks about is that both of those are really kind of critically important, setting aside a half hour, an hour, once a week um, to really kind of contemplate and think deeply about these kind of things, conceptualizing the idea that I'm like a fish in water and God is the water. And am I aware of, and I'm trying to become aware of the water. That's the goal. Right, so that's a like that's like a meditation or a particle of light that's emerged off the surface of the sun, and now I'm here on Earth, and but I can always remind myself that I'm just the sun, and that the only difference between me and the sun is the distance. Right, right. So that's like a, those are two meditations, literally, that a person could kind of go through, or trying to feel the sense of connectedness. God loves me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Kind of like really, really connecting with the fact of how much God loves me and cares for me and wants what's best for me and created me in the same way that my parent created me, right? And those things can get complicated, which we'll get into later chapters, because part of, it's important to acknowledge here, part of developing a, a powerful and vibrant relationship with God is coming to the, to the reality that once you start to like think about how present God is in your life and how much he loves you, you also have to think about the fact that he like really sometimes does things that are not so pleasant and he hurts you and there are resentments there. Well, we, you get into that later in the book. Yeah, yeah much, so much later in the book, but it's yeah. important to, to acknowledge that here because it's always kind of like there and present. Like as I'm building this relationship, well, if he loves me, why am I suffering? And that is going to be a very, very critically important component of a vibrant spirituality is Correct. addressing those things. Well, I want to shift the focus to the second meditation. Yeah, okay, great. That you mentioned. I, I, well, actually, before I shift the focus, why did you write two separate meditations? Are they meant to be done in tandem with each other or is it a smorgasbord style thing? Um, so I, the way I do it is, well, because I think that we have to process the two different points, A, the closeness point, and then B, um, the willingness point. Not in the willingness because it's really the next step, but really like kind of the the sense. The, the waking up where, well, well I guess I should... I should preface it. The second meditation for everyone that's listening, in case you're not reading the book or you're not up to that portion yet or you just don't remember, the second medi- the first meditation is talking about our relationship to God's spatial and, um, you know, relational closeness. Um, and the second meditation talks about do- doing, recognizing that we spend most of our day doing goodness and then doing what we believe to be God's will, creator's will. So like when I'm at the gym saying I'm doing this as an outgrowth of my relationship with with a creator or when I'm sitting down to eat a meal, recognizing that eating this meal is part of my, like an outgrowth of my love and relationship. For the function of inviting God. God in. So tell me, wake up to the relationship that I already have. Right, right. So they both kind of address two different parts of us. One has to do with our willingness to have God present in all the areas of our lives because we so often associate God as kind of demanding and overbearing and ourselves as constantly falling short. So it's like inviting God in is scary and overwhelming and overbearing and like full of guilt and shame. And the other part has to do with like conceptually being aware of like I'm a fish in water and God is the water, so to speak, right? right? Which is the connectedness. The way that I practice it is I'll spend a week or two on each of those things trying to kind of expand and arouse my consciousness and doing that kind of really is helpful. And they're both very, very different things. Cause one has to do with like kind of breaking down the, that voice that we were talking about last time that tells me that I'm never going to be good enough. And the other one has to do with just like kind of conceptually being aware 
of how present God is, meaning that God is everything as opposed to God is here, God is there, God is truly so everywhere. So it's trying of, to break that down. One of the things, you know, I live a life where there's a lot of people that I love. And I say I love you to a lot of people. And my wife also says I love you to a lot of people. So we were looking at language to use that we're going to share just for the two of us. Right. One of the things that we settled on is to say I'm thinking of you. Yeah. And I think that's very similar to what this meditation is. Throughout the day, I'll send my wife a text, I'm thinking of you. She'll send me a text, I'm thinking of you. So that's like the first one. Oh, that's more like the first. I was saying it's more like the second one because it's a reminder that the relationship is there. I'm just, we're just waking up to it every once in a while throughout the day. So this, no, because it's, it's interesting. So the first one would be more like sending a text as I'm thinking of you, right? Which kind of invites her in and realizes her presence. The second one I think would be more like, it would not be expressed, let's say in this, by saying anything to her, but really more within yourself. So like, so let me see if I understand. So right now I'm at work. We're right. doing our podcast. Right. This is part of our job. Right. One of the reasons I work is to support my wife. Right. And the family, the future family we hope to build. Right. So this moment is an outgrowth of my love and respect for my wife. Right. So if you were able to bring that love into this moment, it would A, transform this moment. And then when you get home, you, know, you won't come home feeling like, well, I have this life over there at work. And then I come home and I have my life at home. And then there's some kind of dichotomy between the two. But rather you would have been living present with that love throughout. You've been loving your wife throughout the day. Right. And you might tell her about that. You might not tell her about that, but it's not even important. It's really about what's present in your heart and therefore her, your love for her and your relationship with her it's would be present, present throughout my day, throughout the entire day. Right? I know she doesn't listen to this, which is why I feel so comfortable <laughs> talking about it. So, uh, that's good. Right. So, uh, so yeah, so those are the kind of the two reflections, right? And, the, and then the second one is, is it's really important to kind of reiterate is that like how much of a space we create with God and it's really just kind of doing an inventory, so to speak, of how much of my life is really, really in line with God's will. And I almost ignore it. I make right. my relationship with God like like very, very, A, very far from my regular day life and very, very difficult to maintain because I can't be busy doing all these like mystical things all the time. It's funny. So what, what a lot of us do, many, many, many of us do, is that either our relationship with God is set aside for specific events at specific times throughout any given day. Right. Or when it's not those specific events, when it's just the rest of my day, it's my my failings. Right. Right? That's how many people view it. Meaning right? where I let God down. Right, right, right. 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 Either it's about the specific areas of my life that are... That are when I visit synagogue. The 30 minutes that I'm in synagogue, the right. hour that I'm in a, you know, a spiritual place. That's where God is. And then God also is related to the areas where I'm showing up not well. Right. Everywhere I'm letting him down. And then we're wondering why I don't have this vibrant relationship with God, because it's a very dark, intense, demanding relationship. Meanwhile, most of my life is filled with doing the right thing, showing up the right way. Right. And trying to be true to yourself, which is really being true to your createdness, which is really being true to your creator which is that that's the whole point. And all that is a perspective thing. and right. all. Of, so therefore the only way to change your perspective is through these meditation practices, mindfulness practices, where we're drawing our attention back toward 
an awareness of like, no, 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 God is not only for the synagogue or when I feel shame, God is right here because I'm working and working is part of what I need to do because I'm here to accomplish, right? So my life, so now my work life, just like your work life could be an expression of your love for your wife, it should be, it is, it's also an expression of your duty and dedication to God. So this meditation, you do this throughout the day or you do it in the beginning of the day and then you try to remember that awareness throughout the day. So what I actually use my phone, I've shared this before. So I I try to do a meditation at the beginning of the day and I try to write down some kind of mantra. Um, I've been struggling with that last couple of days, but, but overall, and then, um, and then I'll set a reminder in my phone and it gives me a reminder every hour, every three hours, depending on what's going on, depending on what the reminder is over vacation. I had one that was kind of consistent across because that was something that I thought about. I did a meditation before I left a vacation about my intention and what my focus was and what God wanted for me. And then I constantly was trying to draw my attention back. So every time I go into my phone to break that reminder, and it's not necessarily, I don't hit it every hour. I try to take like a, just a deep breath, you know, and like remind myself. And then in the beginning of the day, I might like spend five minutes on it. Amazing. At the beginning of the day. Shabbos is actually, Saturday is actually a day that I really have time to like sit and do the deeper, like longer term meditations, which I enjoy a lot. I really, really enjoy those and thank God for Shabbos because that gives me the opportunity uh, to do that. Amazing. Okay. So that's it. That's step two. That's step two. I'm looking forward to starting step three with you. Yes. Thank you, Shemaya, for joining us. Thank you for everyone for watching. should be, uh, in whatever way it can be, a merit for the soul of Rebbe, Rav Avram, Yehoshua, Heschel, Ben, Yaakov Yisrael. Zechert Zadik Lebracha. Achasid. Achasid. listening to the Consciously Podcast. Consciously is a project of The Living Room, which is a division of Our Place New York, and made possible by the kindness of the Capellius family, in memory of Tzipora Basravaron. The host of Consciously is Menachem Posnansky, and our trusted assistant to the regional co-host, Shmaya Hanekman. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can give us a review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. We sincerely welcome and appreciate your feedback and questions. So please feel free to email us at or on our Instagram and Facebook pages. Oh, 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 oh.